For those of you who are visiting, just a quick word that one of the things we do here every week is something called witnessing God at work. We do this for a couple of reasons. The first being we're never sure how many kids will be here. And so sometimes that's a children's sermon and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's a children's sermon for the grown-ups as much as the kids and that's okay. And we take this time specifically to reflect on where we see God at work in the world. This takes a lot of different forms. We've had speakers come from different organizations that we partner with. Uh, we have had like open like testimonial sharing time. Uh, sometimes it's just me saying things that didn't fit into the sermon, so you get a little bit of a cutting room floor during that time. And this morning, part of what we're talking about in um, our scripture passages and in the sermon is creativity and imagination when we're trying to figure out God's uh, will and God's work in the world. And one of those ways that we can enter into imaginative and creative new ways of thinking is through different ways of reading scripture. So we're going to test out one of those this morning. We're going to do some guided imagery. We've done this in Bible study before, so some of you might have experienced this there. And we're going to just kind of think about the setting and uh, the location of where today's gospel passage comes from. And Aaron will be reading that shortly, but it's uh, the feeding of the 5,000. So this is a passage that can become so familiar to some of us, we forget to start thinking about it in new and fresh ways. So this morning, we're going to think about it in a new and fresh way. If you are comfortable with doing so, I encourage you to just close your eyes and um, begin to picture this scene. Picture the sea of Galilee. The disciples are following Jesus, and they go across the sea. It's actually a small or a large lake that can be a little bit choppy at times. There is a huge throng of people, people of all different ages, families, old folks, young folks, screaming babies, thousands of people following along, perhaps some of them coming across the lake in boats, perhaps some of them walking all the way around the perimeter to get to the other side. And when they finally arrive at the other side, there's this hill. It's kind of a rolling hill. It's a grassy hill. There's a carpet of green grass all around. Perhaps a few olive trees providing some shade from the heat and the sun. Now think about the hunger. Having traveled across or around this lake to see the teacher, people's stomachs begin to growl. They begin to rumble. And so Philip turns to Jesus, asking, where are we going? How are we going to get the money to buy bread for all of these people? Perhaps turning out his empty pockets to show Jesus that he did not have enough to feed these hungry people. Looking out over these thousands of people who have sat themselves down on this grassy hill, maybe trying to rush past others to get to the shade first under the trees. And one little boy, just one small boy, 
carrying his basket with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, probably for just him and his family for the day. Looking out at those thousands of people. Picture Jesus holding one of those five loaves, breaking it, giving thanks. This is the gospel writer John's version of the Eucharist. And so Jesus breaks the loaf and gives thanks and begins to pass it around. He begins to pass the fish around. Think about the taste of that bread, how good that must have tasted, being so hungry after such a journey. Eating until full. And then beginning the work of collecting the leftovers. Baskets heavy and full with the leftover bread. More, far more than had been started with. Where are we to buy bread 
so that these people may eat. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Recently, the lectionary has been leading us through the Gospel of Mark, but for some reason known only to those who organized the lectionary, there is a six-week break now where we wander off into the Gospel of John. And so we enter partway through the Gospel of John with a story that is pretty familiar to many people. Many of these stories can be hard to deal with because we feel like we know them so well that there is nothing new to learn from them. We know the problem, not enough bread to feed the people. And we know the solution, Jesus feeds them with a miracle. It has already been boiled down and solved for us and we can all go home, amen. The, the disciples, too, thought they knew the problem and its prescribed solution, but their solution was not the same as the one that wound up happening. Hungry people? Buy them bread. Not enough money? Unsolvable problem. The great thinkers of human history, my dear ones, are the people who do the opposite of this. They are the ones who see a problem and try to figure out a new Solution, not to work harder at implementing the same old solutions. 
even if the old solutions worked in their time. These great thinkers have an attitude of optimism and of creativity. They use the imagination that God gave them. As children, we are taught that there are prescribed solutions to certain problems. My husband is a mathematician by degree, and this drives him nuts. You want to know the length of the side of a particular triangle? We are taught to plug in the numbers that we know into a particular equation and solve it. And voila, there's your answer. But we wait until kids are in late high school or early college, if ever, to begin teaching them why this equation works. So many, if not most, kids think math is dumb and boring because all it is is memorizing stupid equations for stupid problems. And they get frustrated then when a new problem is put in front of them or they have a different set of information than they are used to being given. But if you know why the equation works in solving that problem, you can figure out a whole host of new solutions to new problems. The disciples didn't see a way to solve the problem the way they'd always solved it before, so they lost heart and began to settle into an attitude of defeat. The traditional solution wasn't something they could afford to do, so they assumed that the people would just have to go hungry. And it's easy to settle into that kind of discouragement or defeat. The disciples weren't bad people. They weren't dumb people. They were just People, people, that's what we do. There was a way that they'd always done it. There was a way it was expected to be done. And that way just was not possible. But there's one boy, one boy who brought with him a lunch. Now, as a mom, I want to know where the rest of these people's lunches were. Who let them leave the house without their lunch? They probably didn't have coats either. But there's this one boy who listened to his mom and brought his lunch with him. And I imagine the boy couldn't have been too old because when he sees the problem before them, he sees it in a whole different way than everyone else seems to be seeing it. He figures there are hungry people and he has food, so he should offer it. And even though this tiny offering is clearly not enough to feed all of these people with the wonder and the imagination of a child, he shares it. And here's where the disciples do something really important. We like to talk about how the disciples miss the mark all of the time, but they do some things right. And the thing they do right here is they listen and they go with the flow and they follow along with what Jesus is doing. They have no idea what Jesus' plan is to feed all of these people, but they know that he has a plan to feed all of these people. So when he asks the disciples to do something completely ludicrous, they do it. He doesn't make the money appear so they can solve the problem in the prescribed manner. That probably would have been a lot more comfortable for them if Jesus had just pulled all this money out of his pockets and said, well, then go buy bread. He doesn't multiply the bread and fish before asking them to pass it out. That, again, would have been easier for them to get along with, to see the miracle first and then follow. But no, he starts passing it out and then tells them to pick up the leftovers. And not only is there enough, there is so much there are leftovers to pick up. That's ridiculous. That is so hard 
to believe. Someone asked me recently, do you believe all the stories in the Bible? Are there any that you ever struggle with? And I said, of course there's stuff I struggle with in the Bible. Have you read it? It's insane. And this is hard to believe because we just don't see the leftovers like this anymore. We, we ask ourselves, where are the miracles today? Why are there so many hungry people around us? Why are there so many little churches struggling to get by? And so it's easy to read passages like this and to get frustrated and disheartened that we don't see Jesus multiplying the things around us in these big, flashy, miraculous ways. There's Jesus feeding thousands of people with nothing, walking on water like it's no big deal, and we're living in a world where children are starving and we feel like our buckets are empty. We know that as the church and the followers of Christ, we're supposed to care about hunger and injustice. We know that worship is important and that gathering together regularly is vital to Christian growth and fellowship. But the old solutions to the problems are just not working like they used to. Now, when I was growing up in a small Presbyterian church back in the day, just the day, um, it was all about the programs. You had to have a youth group and a Sunday school program and a vacation Bible school and a big choir and a handbell choir and all of that other stuff. You had to keep people busy. Small church, church plant, the solution, more programs. Let's add another children's club. But that doesn't work anymore. I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's because we're all really busy and people don't want one more program in their lives. Maybe it's because we're all already so programmed that we just want to hang out together with the people who love us. But even if more programs did work, not many churches have the time, energy, and other resources to start a bunch of programs. We're like the disciples turning out our empty pockets. I can kind of see the moths fluttering out of their pockets like in a cartoon. We just don't have enough money to buy bread for all of these people, Jesus. We just don't have enough. Not having enough to carry out the old prescribed solution to the problem does not mean we don't have anything. It doesn't even mean we don't have a solution. It means we have to put a lot more on the line to make a difference because when you have little Every scrap matters. It's easy to share five loaves and two fish when you own the bakery and a fishing boat. It's terrifying to put our few little items of lunch on the table and offer to share them when that's our lunch. Especially when we don't generally see Jesus literally walking on water on a regular basis. But this isn't about the spectacular miracles and whether or not they happen around us. It's about the fact that the miracle worker, the powerful one, the Messiah, God with us, comes down to be with us and cares for us. We matter to God. We matter to God just as the hungry people on the hill mattered. And therefore, we have to assume that he is working. When the disciples said, we don't have enough, Jesus could have said, yeah, you're right. Pack it up. Let's roll out and let them fend for themselves. They should have listened to their mom and brought their lunch. But he didn't. He took the meager offering that one little kid had, and he did something wonderful with it. 
Folks here at Emsworth and over at St. Andrews down the road in Sewickley have been partnered together in this sharing of pastor thing for about a year and a half now. And I am, of course, biased, but I think it's been a pretty great year and a half. It's been fun because there's no real prescribed answer to the problem that we're trying to solve. We have to look around and see who remembered to bring their lunch with them. It's fun being a pioneer in what the new solutions to the problems are in today's church. It's hard to break out of old patterns of solving problems to really understand why the old solutions worked and why they don't work now. But it's really fun and rewarding when you get past that and you start to do the hard and creative work of figuring out what there is around you. And so it's important for us to keep doing things like the joint Bible study that we did. We invited a third church to that Bible study with us last fall to continue inviting our friends from another church to worship with us when you too are trying to figure out what is the solution to this problem? Where do we go from here? We may not all be able to miraculously feed 5,000 families with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. But when we offer up what little we do have for the sake of others, it has a way of multiplying. When we give God everything we brought with us to the table, we begin to see new ways into the future. We begin to see new solutions to the problems around us. Amen.